Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Don't let a breakup beat you. Use it as a launching point to design the life of your dreams and have fun while you do it. Sometimes you just need a little reminder that this too will pass and some inspiration to get you back on your feet. That's why I'm sharing with you the X-Files podcast. The hosts, Janice and Claire, are both breakup coaches who show up each week to discuss all things breakup and dating related with a lot of laughs and a bit of science along the way. Check them out at X-Files with a PH wherever you listen to podcasts to help you heal from a past relationship, build your confidence, and get back out there in a magnetic way, no matter how rough your last relationship was. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers. I'm your host, Christina Carlson, and I have with me Audra, who sounds like she's going to be beatboxing. What does that (laughs) sound? I love it. There's a metronome happening. There is a metronome on my recording equipment that I always forget I have to like turn off because it's just the default setting right now. So this we can like cute. go at a go at a pace. Like I'm just so glad you're having me on to interview today because yes. I have myself all the way together. <laughs> Audra is going to be asking me questions today. Yes, I am. Um, because I want to talk. Oh, oh, I'm so excited to hear you talk. Like, I only ever hear you interview. Yeah. This is lovely. I it's love perfect. asking questions, but I'm excited we, you to, love be to, asked questions. to be asked questions. You do. Like to be asked I questions. do. I do. All right. Well, you want me to just dive in? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Ask me questions. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to start with, okay, so like personal history wise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What were you like as a kid? Oh my God. I wasn't prepared to be asked questions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hate that feeling where you're like, I want to be asked questions. I do. The second the question comes out, you're like, I don't remember anything Mm. I've ever thought before in my life. I don't have a thought behind my eyes. My first thought was just like this picture I have of myself as a child in my bathroom. I'm wearing like this bright red, like little house in the prairie dress with like an umbrella with like (gasps) Minnie Mouse hearts and stuff on it. And I look just like I am. Like I've, I've always been, I've always been really strong-willed, really emotional, and had passion my parents did not know what to do with. Relates that deeply. Until I was, like, five or four or five. So, like, you know, the point where your, like, mind changes over, like, you have that developmental leap where you can understand consequence at, like, around age five. That was when I, like, I understood things like I think it was because I'm a projector in human design and I've always understood systems and I think it was like around five that the system that I was in clicked for me and I knew what I needed to do to survive which was become a Christian and like follow the rules and from then on I became a very 
very good kid. Yeah. I didn't cost my parents very much money. I never had braces or glasses or yeah. whatever. I was the, um, I didn't have a rebellious stage. You were the easy kid. Yeah, for yeah. the most part. Um, those first couple of years there, I gave my parents a run for their money with my <laughs> passion. But um, I, I've always loved being outside. Um, I didn't have a farm myself, but my, my aunt had a farm that we went to like every other weekend when I was really little. And we spent a lot of time outside in the fields and in the barns and exploring. And my grandma also lived across the river in Illinois and cause we grew up in St. Louis. And so although we lived in the city and the heart of St. Louis, we spent a lot of time in the land and outside and I was homeschooled. So we would visit all the free museums in St. Louis mm -hmm. and my mom really did a beautiful job of letting us um, learn authentically and creatively. And um, so I had a, had a lot of freedom when it came to exploring and being curious about things. Not, not certain things, not yes. really religious or spiritual things, um, but, but learning. Like, like your environment. Yeah, like learning. my environment yeah. and being creative. And um, I think like... I I remember this memory super vividly. I um, went and saw Pocahontas <laughs> with my mom. I was, like, really excited for it to come out. I always wanted to be Pocahontas. Um, oh, my God, I love it. 90%, 90% because she had a willow tree that she talked to Oof. that was, like, a grandmother, grandmother willow. And, like, for some reason, like, all of me just resonated with that. Yeah. I was, like, a tree yep. that talks to you and believes in you and it was just so deeply personal to yeah. me but because of um because of my upbringing um my parents were very quick to shut that down and to tell me that was dangerous so it was very like it was a huge it was I felt brokenhearted like I grieved over this yeah. like the loss of the thing that I had really resonated with yeah and sort of disconnected from it because of fear. Because of fear. And it's so strange how, like, that relationship to nature can represent such a secure attachment. Mm. And to, like, have that taken from you at, a, at such a young age, to, like, have that made into something that's distrustworthy. Yeah. Like, that's so powerful. Did you, like, did yeah. they explain to you why it was dangerous? Or was it simply don't look at this, don't follow these <laughs> impulses, there's probably some danger behind it? I think it was, I mean, I think it was more of like a, um, like, Oh, I don't know about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I know that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, I like, and maybe they told me more, but like the, um, the general tone was judgment. And I knew that judgment was something I didn't want to go towards. Of course. So I was smart systems. enough. I was cause systems and I understood the system. So I was like, well, don't want to go there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was yeah. disappointing. And, um, we just, we still spent tons of time outside and I still enjoyed most of it. But I think, um, especially in the past, like five years, I've come to like reconnect with nature and plants and things and yeah. in like coming back to like in that cyclical way to like where I came from. Yes. You know, yep. that's the way we do. It feels like there's so much of a shedding 
of like the layers that keep us from our actual just like child selves. Mm-hmm. And I see, I relate to you so deeply in that. It feels like this is the season of life where a lot of us are doing that work of like going back to where we used to be. Yeah. Is that what the thirties are? <laughs> I think so. I think so. What are you most excited about in terms of like reclaiming pieces of your childhood self? Like when you think about this next season of like starting to go back to some of that stuff, what are you the most like curious and excited about? Mm. Well, right now, like I feel like, I'm really focused on embodiment and feeling being in my body. Yeah. Um, that's, I'm, that's what I love to coach people on. This is like everything in my life is like kind of surrounding this um, movement of being present in my body. And I feel like it's one of those things that's going to be like lifelong, yes. but it's also like, it's also just like very prevalent for me right now in Um, it's so interesting because like maybe like a year ago I was sitting around like after it it had been like after six months of like doing like EMDR and like meditation and conscious movement. And I was just like laying down and I was like, damn, this feels good. I was like, is this what it feels like to be here? (laughs) Yes. And I was like, do people walk around living like this? Because God, like, this is, like, some powerful shit, just, like, being here. I relate to that so deeply. I literally had one of those moments this week. I was just, like, lying on my couch, and my kid was asleep, and the room was quiet, and, like, I had incense burning, so there were, like, a few nice things happening, just, like, sense-wise. And I remember having that sensation of, like, laying there and being, like, oh, I'm just here. Yeah. And, like here is really good. Like here is really nice. And like, there's nothing special about this moment. Just like being a human in a body with my senses intact Mm -hmm. is really enough. Yeah. It's all, it's just something that I feel like for most of my life I avoided. I've been a fantastical person since my earliest memory. Literally. I mean, the first memory that I have is like me in a little house in the prairie dress. I wore like, old school dresses until I was like 11 years old. Do you remember like why you did that? Was there a specific reason? The only show I could watch was Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. So it was Laura Ingalls Wilder. So it was just like, these are the people that I'm modeling my life after because this is what I know. Like it was, it was a glorified version of like Christianity and community. And like, so it was like, this was like the pinnacle of who I could be, Of course, you know? And so of course I love these people. And, um, I think fantasy was just like a really safe place yeah. for my heart and mind yeah. to be. Yep. So I escaped there all the time. So this process of like coming back to be in my body and in the present moment is yes. like really profound because it's really hard for me. It's yeah. been a huge challenge to actually exist yeah. right now and like allow whatever that means for it to mean because like having a fantasy about like where I was is a gift. Yeah. Truly believe that because our car used to break down on the side of the road all the time when we were kids and it would happen and my parents would be like, it's an adventure. And so we'd be like, it's an adventure. (laughs) And we would make up stories about like where we were, or I would just like literally sit and look out the window and like make up stories in my mind Mm. and like come up with reasons and, like explanations for why things were happening and you know it was just my mind was always working for me 
What a protective mechanism. Like, so that's protective. such a protective mechanism. And also, I can see why it feels good to start moving into a space where you're like, that's a resource that's available to me, mm-hmm. but it's not where I want to live all the time. Like, I want to be in my actual real life experience. It sounds like yeah. that's where you're moving toward. But yeah, and the, the interesting thing is, like, and I know a lot of people um, in the ex-evangelical ex- words. <laughs> Ex-evangelical community. That's a mouthful. Um, Grew up, like, reading stories about martyrs and missionaries. And um, there's a lot of stories about people who were, like, imprisoned for, you know, being Christian or whatever it was. And um, my heart learning about those things when I was so little needed to make a plan. Yeah. You know? And it was like, what would I do if... Yeah. Blank. And I know we were asked that question too. So it was always like the, my mind created fantasies of what I would do in those scenarios so that if that happened, mm-hmm. I would be prepared. Right. I would have to find a way to like, you know, explain away this situation and also like a perspective on something that made it bearable. Oh. Which is, which is, I'm just like, I'm a fucking genius. Like, of course that's, that's brilliant because then if, if I could do that in those scenarios, then I could feel like I could survive anything. You could figure your way through. Yeah. But I could find my way through it. Um, which is, it's like heartbreaking because like my, in my mind, my future was to be persecuted and like, these were the ways that I was going to make it through. But but at the same time, I'm really appreciative for my yes. ability to come up with a reason and a new perspective frame. Yes. Because it honestly, like, it's very helpful in mindset. Yeah. If, if I've got to do something mm-hmm. or complete something, I can come up with a reason or a way of looking at it that works for me. Oh, do you ever find yourself, I'm so curious, um, do you ever find yourself leaning into the shadow side of that where it's almost like um this mechanism that was so protective and allowed you to get through situations that you truly could not change and you had to find a way through do you ever find it like do you ever find yourself being in a bad situation that you actually can get out of and your mind is so trained to be like but this can actually just be fine (laughs) like this can actually just be fine maybe I don't need to change it maybe I can just grin and bear it and like it's I'm yes go on stand with the spotlight on me (laughs) yes oh my god um yeah so that's that's been a recurring theme especially in careers for me oh oh say more um and and relationships but like I've noticed it in careers um too where like I will I was in a relationship for about seven years so I don't know if it was seven years this is so long it's like almost 10 years ago that I ended this relationship (laughs) whatever it was a long time um but it was like emotionally abusive and just like absurd not blaming this person yes um we were just like really toxic together um so it was like really all over the place and I did that Mm -hmm. I did that I made it I made it make sense for a very long time because I wanted it to to. because everything else said that it should and because I was very attached to this person yes I had found a sense of belonging with him and another friend Mm -hmm. that felt like home and I wasn't willing to give that up so even when it was like very harmful to me I was like still in this fantasy of like 
no, it's okay because. No, it's, it's okay because. because. Yep. No, it's okay because. I can do this hard, hard part to get yes. to the reward of. Yes. I, yep. It's, yep. There's, there's so many layers to that like martyr and persecution mentality <laughs> yes. that just like leaks into yeah. areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been in the process of awakening to some of that mm-hmm. this past year of myself of like those moments when the parts of our brains that protected us actually become the parts of our brains that are holding us back sure. from like healing and thriving. Yeah. And it was like, it was, it was working until it's not. And then you got to like kind of reevaluate where you're going to put that little yes. thing to work. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And you said you like kind of picked up that habit really young, like the, oh the fantasy habit. My first memories. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't like, like I said, just like you, I have like a lot of black spots and I have gained mm-hmm. a lot back through um, EMDR and late night meditation where I'm taking advantage of my almost REM, yep. Yep. <laughs> REM yes. cycle. But um, I have like, I have very few early memories, mm-hmm. but ones that I do are mostly like me staring at a wall or at a window, like imagining things. And I don't like... I've, I've listened to lots of lectures on NPR about how boredom is an incredible gift. And I'm yeah. so thankful for my parents for like, specifically my mom for always calling us in and saying like, now's our kids rest time. Yeah. Your neighbor kids go home. Like we always yes. had that space and I really appreciate that. But those are, those were, must've been like the times I felt safest because those are, those are the memories I have. Yeah. Is like being like laying on the porch swing and just like putting my hand in the grass or like yeah. swinging on the back swing and just like thinking about all kinds of things like making up a story about myself yeah. and my pet wolf my imaginary pet wolf or like yes <laughs> it's so interesting because it feels like another one of those things where it's like this double-edged sword because what you're describing sounds like it could either be such deep presence, like that capacity to just like lay there and have your hand in the grass and be, mm. or it could be such deep dissociation. It's cool. It's, but that's, that's so much of my experience too, as I like live on that fine line between the two. Yeah. You find yourself like finding new strategies to stay more on the embodiment and presence side. Or yeah. I love you. Perfect question. Ah, because, yeah. because yes, that's, um, and that's what I, that's what I'm finding with my like dance and practice of meditation over the past, like <clears throat> since the pandemic began, actually, I mean, I had meditated before that, but like I've meditated consistently since the pandemic began. Yes. And, um, what I've noticed is I, I will catch myself dissociating and have to bring myself back. Yes. And that is literally the practice of meditation. Yeah. So Go it's, it. yeah. so keeping up with that over the past two years, I just, I'm more aware of it now and I'm able to bring myself back faster. And I found that like, I just in observing myself in times when I am just sitting and dissociating, which I could fucking do for hours. (laughs) Um, I don't feel better when it's done. Yes. Whereas if I would stop and do like a 15 minute meditation of any kind, and just simply try bringing myself back to presence during that time, even if it's just sitting on my couch, bringing myself yes. back to the present. It I feel so much better when it's over. Yes. Yeah. Um, if I need to dissociate, I'll watch TV. Yep. Because I don't need to be present for that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's like making that distinction between 
it's almost like you have to put some kind of some kind of like tangible separation between presence and dissociation. Sure. So it's like yeah. if you know, like I'm dissociating, so I'm going to add a TV to it, so that I know that this is just my dissociation time. Yeah, I just need to be, and I can keep like <laughs> presence as a pure thing that I experience and like make space for. That mm. makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, because it, it's. I feel <clears throat> like um, presence is a practice. Absolutely. Especially for me with my like history of dissociating and just fantasizing. It's really hard for me to be with people. Yeah. I mean, not really hard for me to be with people, to be in my body with people and to be in my body and experiences and really be um, present. Yeah. Because it's always been so easy for me to like, and this is so interesting. Like, we were around a lot of people growing up. My parents had good boundaries. We had a rhythm. We had um, space. We didn't always have people in our house. Beautiful. Respect. Um, we Beautiful. had our own, like, times. You know, it was just like, and neighbor kids go home, my mom would yeah, say. And this I was is our so grateful. Um, but there was a lot of socializing. And I'm borderline extrovert. I really don't. I think that binary is Me way too. too ridiculous. Oh yeah, I like dance with that line. So <laughs> I love being around people, um, but I didn't know how to be in my body around other people, so I performed, and oh, I was great at it. And it also is fucking exhaustive. I know. I noticed this very vividly because um, I did. I was a model for like ten years or something, and um, I would do like in-person events and would have to have conversations and like socialize with people. And I was always so good at it. And people would be like, you're fantastic. And I would, like, go in the car and just, like, let my face melt. Yes. Yes. And I was, I felt like Barbie after Toy Story. Where she's like, can I stop smiling now? Can I be done now? And I was just, like, so fucking exhausting. Ugh. Because it wasn't me that was there. Yes. It, was, it was a version that I knew everyone would like. Yes. And would get me the proper praise to get another job. You understood the system. I did. I understood yeah. the system. And it just was not good for me. No. But I was good at it. And um, so, like, so allowing myself to be me around people is is a practice for me. Yes. Just, like, yes. meditation. Where I'm just like, oh, wait, I'm not performing here. What's best for me and for yeah. everyone, everyone else is for me to be me. It is so wild that you bring, this has literally been on my mind the past couple of days. Okay. So I want to like pull a thread here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Cause you talked about how when you were young, like a lot of what you did was like go into a space of fantasy, mm-hmm. which is a form of dissociation. Sure. Because you understood the system that you were in very young and what the system needed from you in order to like love you and keep you and cherish you and protect you and all of the things. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to hear so much more about the performance aspect of things. Like what was your perception, even as a child of who you needed to become in order to be protected by the system? God, this, honestly, just hearing you ask me this question makes me want to cry. Yep. Cause you were a baby. You should not have had to think about this at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's the last part of that question again. Um, what was your perception as a child yeah. of who you needed to become in order for the system that you were in to love you, cherish you, protect you, see you? Anyone that wasn't me. <sighs> to my fucking core. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Any Anyone that wasn't me because I, a core part of me always knew that me as I was wasn't okay. Yep. And I was too young to understand why. Uh-huh. 
I just knew because I'm very intuitive. You're very perceptive. And I, I was just like, nope, that's not what they want. This is what they want. Which, which is, is like a double-edged sword because it kept me safe in yes. so many ways. God bless me. But I wasn't ever seen. So I felt very isolated and lonely for most of that time. Yes. Because there were very few people who actually saw me. And I'm so fucking grateful for the ones that did. I still have them. My yes. brother and sister yes. have seen me. And there were handfuls of people who saw me through what I, whatever I was performing, yes. including my friends like Josh and um, even Shannon. These are high school friends that yes. I still know. Um, they were able to see to see me because I let them yeah. um, and because I I felt safe with them. Your your body knew yeah. that they were safe. That's yes. it. That's the yeah, wild yeah. thing is like, I'm, yeah. I'm coming to understand that like safety is something that we experience in our body. So even when your brain couldn't conceptualize why a person was safe, you just knew. Just, yeah. You just knew. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was also Josh's Mr. Rogers sweater in eighth grade. <laughs> well, that really it. did it for me. That's going to do it every time. <laughs> like, He's safe. It's, this is good. It's great. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> oh my god, I love this. Ah, uh, that. I think that's one of the under, like, the underemphasized consequences of like living in such deep performance mode. Yeah. Um, I've been unpacking that as I like begin to reconstruct my own spirituality and realizing. I don't know how to have a relationship with God that's not performative mm. because I never had that. And so that led me deeply into the rabbit hole of, oh my God, I have spent so much of my life performing what I needed to perform in order to feel safe, whole, loved. And I think what we miss is, you said it, like the ways that as long as we're performing, we're never really loved. Yeah. And we never really feel loved because another person can express love to us, but we know at the end of the day it's not that us. what they they love is a mask. It's, yeah. it's a thing that doesn't actually exist. So you never end up actually feeling it feeling. or letting it in. No, absolutely. Do you feel like, like, what has your ongoing experience with that, like, performance persona mm -hmm. been over, like, like, as your childhood evolved? Was that something that continued into, like, teenage years? Oh, yeah. I mean, through college... Uh, I like, I would say like the, the beginning of me actually becoming myself was through dance mm. and, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Through, through my body, because I, I, I know we're not doing these podcasts and podcasts, <laughs> listen to me, these podcasts <laughs> in sequential or my Southern listen Missouri is coming out. Deep permission to be messy. <laughs> Deep permission to be messy AF. Um, but we just had this conversation, um, about now I'm blanking because I'm thinking of myself in my Southern Missouri accent. We're not doing these podcasts. These podcasts in order. Oh yeah. There was order. something that you said earlier. What was I just talking about? Oh yeah. We were just talking about, um, the, I asked when, what your experience with that, like continued performance persona has been. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I just needed, no worries. I needed the like back ten yep. seconds button on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can give you that. <laughs> yeah, hula. Um, I was in. I was in Hawaii, but I had a similar moment to you um, in high school, because um, where my hips stopped moving. Yeah. 
And um, and I don't remember exactly when this was. I feel like it maybe it was in junior high where this person said this to me. But I am <laughs> six feet tall, yep. like you, cool. and have been since like sixth grade or whatever. <laughs> um, and a friend said to me that I would never have a boyfriend and no one would like me because I didn't have a butt. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I like, I was just like devastated. And like. Because it was just, like, the thing, you know, to, yes. like, have people like you. And it was, like, in that moment, I was, like, oh, my God, no one's going to love me. And you just believe that. You internalize that so easily Because I was already young. tall. And all these yes. girls were just, like, well, no guy will date you because yeah. you're too tall. Yeah. And, the, you know, it was just, like, all these different factors. And I was just, like, oh, my God, I'm unlovable as I am again. Yes. <laughs> Tur- turns out. Yeah, but there was, like, I mean, that attention was, like, on my hips and my body. And so it was just, like, and then it was just, like, and if you, like, move your body. Because I went to a Nazarene high school, so we weren't allowed to dance. Yep. Which included (laughs) any kind of fucking hip movement. Yep. Um, So I just locked up my whole pelvic floor. It was just, like, fuck no. Like, as stiff as possible, let's not move. (laughs) Um, which is funny because later when I got into modeling, my um, my agent was just like, stand up tall. Like, yes, be exactly. proud of who you are. Like, and I was just like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. But how? But how? Give me the fucking steps. Yes. Will you, like, push me yes. into a wall so that I yes. flatten out? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I can, like, memorize yes, what this feels to, like in my cells. I don't get it. I have no idea what standing up tall looks like because I have spent a lifetime trying to motherfucking shrink. Oh, I've been, like, consciously trying to remember that. Yes. Anyway, um, I I took a hula class in a um, in a church in Hawaii. Taught yeah. by taught by Hawaiian women. Um, it's the only redeeming quality of this because the rest is very, like, you know, colonized the fuck out of but it was i absolutely adore my teacher my hula teacher incredibly beautiful woman malia and um the way that she moved was so inspiring and i had never i hadn't taken a dance class since i was like really little and had a panic attack in there because of like ocd thoughts and so i quit Mm -hmm. because i couldn't move my hips and I felt like the devil was going to attack me of course yes. you know like yeah because it's just cognitive dissonance and like God is watching yes and, and I'm God moving my hips, move and I, hips I can't do this so I so I had quit a long time ago and locked that whole part of yeah. me up and then here is this dance that Malia is teaching us and it is like about movement mm-hmm. and you need to move your hips and it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's references in the name of God. And yeah. we do this worship in front of church. And it's like joyful permission. Permission. I got permission yes. to move my hips and I fucking practiced like nobody's business an hour a day. Yeah. I would be alone and just practicing. Yeah. And I had so many people like come up to me and look, I could see the spirit of God on you. Like, you know, like, and I was like, this is literally my divine feminine yes. moving through my hips. I was like, yes, bitch. <laughs> but for me, that, that I wasn't, it was like the first time I remember just like feeling myself move. Yeah. And I, I was like aware of my body moving in an entirely different way. And it awoken me, like, so much, like, sexual energy. Yes. Because the hips and pelvis. Yeah. And I was just, like, awakening for the first time, which 
required presence for me. Mm. And I think that's why I became kind of addicted to it because yes. every time I was dancing, I was just fucking present. Yes. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's amazing. Yes. And, and then I had to step away from it for a couple of years and wait for a couple of years. It was like one year, one year of like utter emotional turmoil with this boyfriend. And I was like nauseous every time I was near him because my body was like, that's not good. so hard. <laughs> was, oh my God, I relate so deeply. <laughs> but then, um, but then I moved here to mm. Kansas City and it was maybe like a year, no, six months or something into living here. <laughs> my, my deeply Christian brother at the time and me were like, we're going to go to a club on New Year's Eve. <laughs> How old were you at this time? <laughs> 24. Okay, cute. Okay. Um, we went to the union. <laughs> Hello, if anyone here in Kansas City knows oh what the God. union is. It's, uh, <gasps> may it rest in peace. May it rest in is peace. Is no longer terrible. with us. Um, imagine your uncle's basement. <laughs> but shrink the ceilings lower. Yes. So that, like, my six-foot ass has two inches between yep. me and the ceiling. And that was where we first went and we danced like children and I didn't, I haven't stopped dancing since. I dance is one of like my great sadnesses about my childhood. Cause same, mm. similarly to you, it was just like not accessible to me yeah. because it was, there was so much like association, association with sexuality and like, mm. again, the movement of the hips and all the things. And like, yeah. if we let our kids be aware of their bodies, then they're going to like, I don't know. Fornicate the shit out of their life. Fornicate? I don't know. They're going to go have a bunch of sex too young. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's so interesting that you bring that up because that's been such a like reclamation piece for me as well of like, oh, moving our bodies for joy is one of the best tools we have. Yeah. And it's so fucking sad that we that was like taken from us. But like how lovely that you just intuitively knew Mm. Even when you were still like a little bit in that world and Nathan was still a little bit in that world, yeah. some part of you was like, oh, but we need this. Yeah. Like, this is the medicine. And you well, just never fucking stopped taking the medicine. No. And the music kept bringing us back. Of course. Yes. I was talking to this um, creative on Instagram. She's a musician and she was just talking about healing sound. Mm -hmm. I think she does like healing sound ceremonies. Yeah. And I was just like, yes, like that is, that is what brought me back. Yeah was yeah. there and then and then my brother and I started traveling together and meeting yeah. people that weren't like us and you know raving whole rabbit hole yeah <laughs> but it started with dance but it started with dance and I I can dance without being present and that still does happen but if that happens to me I <laughs> this is so crazy because to me like one of the most meditative spaces and body awareness spaces is on the dance floor. Before. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, so if it, it might be 3 a.m. and I'm just like, I'm like, okay, now I need to recenter and come back to my body. <laughs> and like, While people are doing shots around me and I'm like, yes. oh, wait, feel the hips. Feel my feet on the ground. Like, me, yep. I, it's like a spiritual experience for you. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm like, I have to slow down. Yes. Bring it back to slow movement. Mm-hmm. Cause like you know some some songs they're just like you just gotta dance harder so yeah you dance really really hard and then you're like okay come back to like center come back to center mm -hmm. but like for me that's been the most profound way I've actually yeah. like been able to like feel and it's it's just been it's just been the best gift yeah. 
gift myself ever. <laughs> it's so, because it, what I keep like imagining here is like this thread between five or six year old you who like understood the system and understood the parts of you that weren't welcome inside the system. And in my brain, like I can see that like adult dancing Christina was reclaiming all of the pieces of herself that she shaved off when mm -hmm. we were like five or six. Like it feels from the outside and you can like say whether this is true or not, but like from the outside, it almost feels like when I ask you the question about like, what, what did you know that you needed to become mm -hmm. in order to like feel safe in that system? It feels like the answer is everything except your dancing self. Oh, yeah. Like every, everything except the part of you that's like embodied and joyful and playful and sexy and fun and loud and like a force to be reckoned with, like a presence <laughs> in the room. Yeah. Like it feels like that's the part of you that got cut off. Yeah. And you just intuitively came back to it. Yeah. You know, what's really funny is I, I started wearing color in just this Ugh. past year. <sighs> and so, I, yeah, I like, we have our family portraits up from exactly when COVID began in 2020 and um, I'm wearing all black and I like, I've always loved black. At yeah. least I thought I did. Yeah. Until this year. Mm -hmm. And it's like this past year has been, I'm like, you know, I say fully, I'm going to keep fully embracing my queerness, but I feel like I've much more fully embodied myself yes. and come home and been like reclaiming yeah. the queer me and so fucking colorful. Yeah, y'all should like see Christina's shirt right now. Like their shirt is literally this like amazing like paisley foxes and skirts. And it's bright and it's flamboyant. It's fucking fantastic. It's a perfect embodiment of where Christina. Chickens and foxes. Chickens and foxes. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like and I I can't, I've been like several times like going back to like because I still own quite a bit of black I'll go to like pick something out because I've always loved it and I'll put it on and be like that's not right anymore that's not right anymore I'm done grieving I was I was away from me for so long and I'm I'm back yeah you're not grieving anymore my little kid picture that I have in my bathroom is red and white and yes. like bright brilliantly colorful. bright Yep. Making a ridiculous yeah. smile and posing for the camera. You just like learned how to not be seen. Like you learned how to not be perceived because if people Literally. looked too closely. It wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. Yeah. If people look too closely, they might see that so much of what you were embodying was a performance. Yeah. And you might lose the love of the system. Yeah. And like, honestly, at this point, fuck the love of the system, but it takes so long to get there. <laughs> You've done so much work to get to that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, don't do it until you're feel safe no doing no, it no <laughs> you know what i mean to like do you your own time <laughs> take your time <laughs> um, so yeah. my curiosity question now because like i'm like you have described your relationship with your parents as being like they were like deeply facilitating of like creativity and fun and play and some exploration and like good boundaries so there's like a lot of stuff going on there yeah. and also there's that element of clenchiness around like don't explore these certain things don't like mm. don't go too far in this direction um, how has your experience of being a daughter evolved, uh, your experience of being a child evolved as you have begun to like come out of the shell sure. and all of that stuff? Yeah. Like, have they followed you on the journey? 
You know, um, that's so interesting. Um, they, I inherited their fear yeah. is how I would put it. Um, because they're really good people. Yeah. And I really like them a lot. It's so fun to love your family, to like your family. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really like them. What, what has been hard for me to deal with has been their fear. Yeah. Um, because okay. it was so deeply ingrained in me and because out of love, that's what they passed on. Yeah. To keep me safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I find myself doing this with my own child now, so yeah. I understand it very, I understand that. Um, and also I needed to be separate from them for a time to be able to find my own feet and then come back to yes. them. Yeah. So we had a conversation fairly recently about who I am now and where I am now. And I'm pretty sure I was wearing the chicken shirt. <laughs> and that wasn't chicken shit. That was chicken shirt. <laughs> um, fox shirt, you know. Um, but it was, it was the most embodied conversation I have ever had with yeah. them. And I felt very seen by my dad mm. and um, loved by my mom. Yeah. And um, they do not like the direction my life is in. Mm. Um, they cannot, because of their beliefs, support me. Yep. Um, but they love me. Yeah. And um, I accept them for where they're at yeah. and who they are. And um, I think it's the healthiest our relationship has ever yeah yeah um but i i really took i don't know three four years to have some decent separation yes. from them um which was actually rather intentional my brother um said told them something about where he was at spiritually and the way that they responded was pretty negative yeah. and hurtful and so i intentionally told them that i would not be speaking to them about this topic yeah. of spirituality yeah. or religion at all and I set like a real hard boundary there yeah. and um, kept it for a long time until a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, that's so fresh. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like for me, it's, I don't know, like I just, I really believe in everyone's timing and everyone's path for this kind of thing. And for me, it was just like, oh, I feel, I feel like I don't need anything from them. Yeah. Not that I don't want it. Because I don't want to deny my own humanity. It's not like, I don't need them. and I don't, no. you know, it's not that kind of thing. I do. And I would love for them to support me and who I am right now. Yeah. I just understand that they can't. And I understand that I know how to meet my own needs with other people and with yeah. myself. And I can accept reality now. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you I know, know so I don't need them to change for me to be okay anymore. No. And that that took years. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've like transferred your like need for stability from being like sourced through the system that you were in when you were a kid that involved the church and your family and all of the things. It sounds like your the transition that's happened over time is like you now just get that from yourself. Mm. And so since you don't need since you no longer need to perform some for someone else's validation because you don't need their validation because you're internally validated. Yeah. All of a sudden they're like free to be who they are. Mm -hmm. And so are you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And like, I think I just, I don't know. We didn't, we weren't capable of that before. Yeah. But we are now. You are now. And that's fine. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's, 
it's um it's a combination too like i i i don't believe that people were meant to be completely individual like we're built or like we evolved in community and so i think like it's very necessary to have like validation from other people and um affection and support and be mirrored in our goodness and all of who we are absolutely um i just have a support system now that allows me to have that and also I trust myself to be able to find and build that if I don't have it. Yes. Which is like, is adult, real adult energy. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And it's been like years of mothering myself. Yes. (laughs) And there will be many more years of mothering myself. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I have two more questions. Yeah. Um, One of them being, if you could like go back and speak to any previous younger version of yourself, be that the little girl in the car who was like having the adventures and like (laughs) learning how to be okay with things as they were, even if they were less than ideal, or if it's like your 13 or 16 or 18 year old self, if you could go back to any previous version of yourself and like give them some piece of context or wisdom or compassion what would that be like from your very today self? Like how would you nurture or parent that part of you? Like a part that feels particularly tender. God, you know, that's such an interesting question because I think of the movie, the butterfly effect. Oh, yup. I'm like, do I want to fucking touch it? Do I want to? Yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) such a valid question. I'm great. Like I've, I've become a great person. I'm yeah. happy with where I am. And, um, oh. you know, something I, I have done many times is, like, go back in time and send my younger self love yep. and comfort. Um, I think if I was going to say anything, it would be to my older self. Oh. Um, probably, like, college or mm. pre-college in high yeah. school because I I made a... a impulsive decision like I do to move to California to go to school at this yeah. random Bible college I found on Google when yeah. Google first came out. <laughs> um, I think if I could go back and tell myself something to do, I would, you know, it's so funny. I know so many millennials who are just like, would get the opposite advice, but I would, I would tell myself to take out a loan and go to a public school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Go get a real education. Go get a real education, yeah. <laughs> not that I'm not happy with who I am and where I've ended yeah. up. I'm very happy, but I I think that I would have found my uh, queer self faster oh. and would have found more... Being more um, exposed to... Yeah. 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 Yeah, that makes so much sense. There is like <laughs> that instinct. I, I relate to that deeply, the thing of like, but I really like where I landed. And so I don't yeah. want to change it. I don't anything. really want to change it. <laughs> And also, like, there are elements of it that I'm like, oh, this could maybe have been easier on me. Or I could have gotten here a little faster. Mm-hmm. But also, we don't know if that's true. Right. We exactly. never know if that's and, true. And I think I really deeply trust myself. Like, oh, I, so deeply. I think, like, the, the, like, choices I made were, and one of my core values is safety. Yeah. Like, I made each choice because I, I did so in a way that felt safe for yes. me. Yeah. And I eventually got to where yes. I am in a very, like, yeah. way, in a very good way, in a way that yes. felt safe for me. Yeah. And I, that's how I needed it to be. Exactly. <laughs> Slow. There's, like, there's honestly such a huge grace in that. Like, even hearing you speak to that, there's a piece of me that's like, 
How fucking lovely is that? That at this point in your life, what you have so deeply internalized is that for all of like the bullshit along the way and all of the moments when you were outside of yourself and disconnected for yourself, everything still turned out more than okay. Yeah. And like, I think we can get so stuck in like the little moments and the little choices and get so hyper fixated on like doing the right thing. So like taking that mentality forward into the rest of your life and just being like, no matter what I decide in any given moment, my life is going to find its way to exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Because like present day, you knows that like looking back at your baby self, Mm -hmm. you can still say, I don't think I change anything. Yeah. Because I landed well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrifying. And whatever the fuck it was, it's like, it's like, it's trustworthy. Yeah. And there's this perspective. I know Madison Morgan talks about this and I, I love it. And I don't know, like, I think it's one of those beliefs that for me, for now, I find really useful to think Mm -hmm. about, but like that my soul chose to be in this life. Yeah. Um, I find it useful because I feel like it gives perspective to like, that if that belief is true, then it means that I knew what I would go through and that saying. it would be worth it. Yeah. And yes. like the romantic part of me is like, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like, of course. Of course I did. I've literally always been able to find the fantasy, the goodness, yes. the goodness, yes. the story of beauty that comes out of, of whatever it was. Yeah. And I think that 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 it would make sense that my soul chose this. This, yeah. Knew that I would find my way home to myself. Yes. At whatever, whatever the journey was, and that that would be a beautiful tool, not only for myself, but for other people. Yeah, exactly. You know? Because like, it's like, made you such a person of such, like, depth and nuance, and also with, like, the capacity you've developed over time to, like articulate your thoughts and your experience and all of these things. So like there's so much fucking beauty in being that person. And who knows if you would have been that person if your soul hadn't chosen this way. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a nuanced thing because like, yeah, fuck tragedy and the shit that happens to us, you know? Oh, I do. Yep. And, and also we are beautiful and capable of so much. Yes in the midst of whatever is happening. And you're, I think you just, it makes sense. Like hearing you say it that way, it makes sense because you're, you have such a capacity for like dimension, like light and dark, Mm -hmm. heavy and light. And so like, of course your soul would choose this way. It wouldn't make any sense for it to choose anything else because it wouldn't match you. Yeah. Like I think that all the time, like anytime I, cause sometimes I find myself judging my own experience against people who seem to just like be in their joy all the time (laughs) and I'm not that person like I have like the heights of joy the range (laughs) and also the depths of fucking despair yeah and sometimes I I wonder I'm like what would it be like to be that person who like (laughs) never really comes down like below zero like below (laughs) ground zero when I spend so much of my time there Mm. and yet like I think those people's souls chose that path because that was correct for their soul. Yeah. I'm with you. I think this, like, it's such a useful way of thinking about things, especially in seasons of, like, accepting the highs and lows of your journey. Yes. Like, I chose this. Yeah. I chose this. It gives you a little bit more um, autonomy. Yes. And um, responsibility. Yeah. In a good way. Yep. 
Yeah. Okay. Last question. Okay. What is one thing that you have like internalized from your life experience so far that you are like carrying with you as a mantra going forward? Hmm. That my entire life's practice is learning to be with what is. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. What is right in front of me. I really, I really think that the biggest lesson of my life is to be present and to be with what's in front of me. And it's, and I like, mm. I think that because it's the journey back to myself before I escaped mm. fantasy which I can't, I can't in my mental mind remember, but I know my body remembers mm -hmm. and I know my soul before she left remembers yeah. that what it's like. And, um, I think that will be a common thread through the rest of my life as well. Yeah. And I think my, like my biggest regrets are and have been when I haven't been present, yeah. you know, with my yeah. kid mostly. Um, and I know I've done my best. Yeah, of course. And, and also I think that that's like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I think there's like the thing that keeps coming to mind to describe you. And I'm so similar in this is like, you seem to be such a person who just like wants to live in the undistor undistorted truth of what is like, yeah. you don't need it to be sugarcoated. You don't need it to be like made worse than it actually is or over dramatized. You just want to like be with the undistorted truth of what is. Yeah. You know, it fucking scares me. And it's also Terrible. really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, I just have like, it's so funny. This is hilarious. This memory, for some reason, this was important to my brain to hold on to in the log of weird memories that I have. But like, we were in the first car that we owned, or I remember as a kid, a Ford Escort, and I was sitting next to the window looking out at the pavement, mm. black pavement with like the yellow line on the side, and I remember just looking at the pavement and thinking, wow, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. And I was like six, God. I was like six years old, oh. and I was like, God, it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Because yeah. it, it was there. Yes. And I was conscious of the fact that like something tangible in front of me was yes. beautiful. Yep. And it was the goddamn it was pavement. The pavement. You're right. Nope. I don't need it to be any better or worse. It just it was. It's like, oh, it's here. Oh. <laughs> I just, I think that's one of the, like, the gifts that I would like to just say that I see in you. And it's one that I relate to so deeply. But I think that that's like, I think there are people who go through this life looking for the, the elevated, better version of what is. And there are also people who go through this life trending towards seeing the like darkest version of what is. And I think there is just so much beauty in being like, I just want to let what is be what is mm -hmm. and find a way to be with that. Like yeah. even when it's uncomfortable, even when sometimes it would be so much easier to like put a silver lining on it, or sometimes it would be easier to like, just like let myself sink into the abyss of how hard things are and stay there. Yeah. But I don't want to do either one of those things. Like I want to like find the balanced middle. That's just like, no, this is yeah, the unfiltered truth of what is. Yeah. My motive, my motive being is actually pretty neutral. Yeah. Same. 
I like I have a in a human design I have open emotional center. So like yes. I, I don't have constant energy to my emotions. That's if me too. I'm if I'm not interacting with other people, I'm mm-hmm. pretty pretty damn neutral. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an it's not a crazy time. It's, it's so <laughs> interesting because with both of us like primarily, at least at this point and previously identifying with the Enneagram four archetype. So it's so interesting yeah. that both of us fit in that like open emotional center. Cause I remember having that explained to me as like yeah, you can, you can like just be a cylinder mm-hmm. like emotionally and like let people's emotions come in and go all the way straight through. Like you can stay neutral. You don't have yeah. to like, you don't have but to, but because you're so open, you can also be the container for everyone else's emotional fluctuations. <laughs> yeah. You get to pick. But, like, Which is why I lived in fantasy for so long because <laughs> exactly. it was too much. <laughs> but it is so beautiful to be in that space of like neutrality. Um, Madison yeah. Morgan talks a lot about, um, energetic neutral and she was the first person that I heard speak to that and I was just like oh Oh. (laughs) when I'm like actually in my embodied experience that's where I live I'm one of the most like even keeled people I know when I'm in my my essence yeah and there's something really beautiful about that because we can just like sit with the truth with no need to edge it in either direction yeah, you don't need a story. No, just be what is, and it can be lovely mm-hmm. and terrible and terrible and everything in between. And you can just let it be and adore the pavement. <laughs> yep, <laughs> there. <laughs> Love the fucking pavement. <laughs> oh my god, I adore Bless. you. Thank you, you so too. much for letting Thank me you. interview you. Thank you for interviewing me. Bye, bye. I mean, bye. You know. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.